Hello, everybody. My name is Jeremy Augusta. Uh, I'm Brent Gunn. And this is the last episode of In It Together. Last my one. last episode. Are you gra- Are you graduating or? Uh, no, but I, I got a new job. Okay, so, so yeah, this is it. This is the last one. This is probably. I don't know if anybody's gonna take over this podcast. Um, I have no idea. I hope somebody does. I think that would be cool. But I've had a good time doing it this past. Uh, it's been a year, right? We've done a, a full year. Yeah, about about. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot's happened. I think I've uh, kind of like drifted a little bit more with my my politics. I I think I'm always trying to you know revise and update. Yeah, yeah so. that's a good thing to do. It's it's good to continuously reevaluate your own opinions on yeah. topics. I think that's something that people should do more often. Where we we have like this set of our political opinions, and we kind of get stuck in that. Yeah, and and we don't always take in or accept new information. And I think that's something that people need to fix about themselves almost yeah a big thing i'm seeing right now is like there's a lot of like people within the left right now that are like even on like commentary like um oh, i'm blanking on her name she's one of the co-hosts on the sam cedar show i've never watched that um show. Mm-hmm. but she's definitely like pretty like far left wing and i i like a lot of what she has to say but sometimes it feels like she's coming from it almost too much from like a classical marxist point and, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's like you can hold on to like certain principles but if you can't you know, adapt 1800 style thinking to, you know, 2019, it's, it's a little bit useless. Yeah. It's a little pointless. Yeah. Politicians get shit sometimes for, for changing their opinions. And I think there's a time and place for giving a politician shit when they flip flop on an issue. But in, in general, it shouldn't be looked at as a weakness to have your mind changed or, or for your, to change it for you, for you to change your own opinions. Um, I think that's something I've seen or people have, Talk to me about that. Like, oh, I thought you said you thought this way. And then I, oh, I well, got like maybe more I information. Did. And at the yeah. time, I'm sure I was, that was my conviction. But now I, I see it through a different lens. Um, like, I'm sure at one time, Joe Biden had the conviction that, uh, you know, bussing people together is probably a terrible idea. Yeah. yeah. And now he has a totally different, it. now he thinks it's a great idea. Yeah. As he's about to run. <laughs> yeah. Now he has a total change of heart. Of so you're thinking Joe Biden's going to run? Oh, of course he's going. He's, he said that he wants to wait. Uh, he wants to be the last person to announce that he's running, you know? Yeah, I think... Uh, and and he's polling pretty well, too, which is, is just polling shockingly well. agonizingly irritating. Yeah, for, Donald for Donald Trump thinks it's going to be crazy Bernie crazy and Bernie. Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe. Why not Creepy Joe? I don't know. Why wouldn't you lead with that? He's low-energy man. <laughs> uh, that was from... Uh, remember when Joe Biden and Donald Trump were threatening to beat each other up? Oh, yeah. I think that's when that... That was a surreal moment in history is when the vice president and the president-elect were threatening each other to to beat each other up like a couple of high school bullies. It's it's sad that that brings Biden's polling up so high that the whole, like, opposition to busing. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, people, like, they just, like, whoosh, oh, well. I mean, he, he's the cool, weird grandpa. Yeah, you know? he said he was going to give him a wedgie or something like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's, a, let's get into the news. Uh, so one of the biggest things that happened, two big things, um, we'll talk about Julian Assange first because that yeah. happened first. Um, so WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, after spending seven years in uh, um, an Ecuador embassy in Ecuadorian London, Ecuadorian embassy in London, um, finally was arrested and is rumored to be or documents show that he will be sent to America um, to either face crimes that the Department of Justice had. Uh, he, he's been indicted for hacking that according to the um, DOJ. Uh, he's also under investigation from Swedish authorities for a sexual assault case, which is kind of the thing. I believe that, it was dropped and is pending. I think they're going to try to reopen it when yeah. he gets back to the states. Yeah, that was one of the thing. That was what landed him in the embassy in the first place, because the Obama administration didn't have any. Uh, they weren't going to pursue press, charge, yeah. pre- press charges on the hacking charge. Um, the Trump White House has, which is strange after. Donald Trump has asked WikiLeaks for favors and has commended WikiLeaks. Um, well, I mean, that this whole thing of him saying, I don't know much about WikiLeaks, that is just complete yeah, bullshit. Yeah, 100% bullshit. 100. But well, how, how do you feel about WikiLeaks and how do you feel about Julian Assange? I'm seeing a lot of people do the whole, like, Julian Assange is a hero. Mm-hmm. I'm more of the camp of Julian Assange did nothing wrong, like, mm-hmm. with, with terms in regards to hacking, to in, in regards to what he's doing. I'm not going to touch about the sexual assault because I don't know enough about it. Yeah. So for the whole purpose of this conversation, we're just not going to focus mm-hmm. on that. So when it comes to what he's actually done with WikiLeaks, I think it's a obviously positive thing. Yeah. And I think that the way that he's been treated 
and of course this whole you know this this arrest and um it's it's really kind of scary because it's setting this precedent i've heard i'm hearing a lot of people say that it's setting a precedent against whistleblowers and mm-hmm. i mean people like julia assange uh uh, uh edward snowden yeah edward snowden chelsea manning i was just about to say chelsea manning you know these are people that like we we talked a few weeks ago about the whole anti-american thing and this is what that term anti-american is reserved for it's reserved to make a legal precedent to penalize people like assange mm-hmm. for doing noble journalistic work i mean i'm in a media law class right now and uh We've learned about various cases throughout, but um, we learn a lot about journalism and how much journalists can get away with if they're investigating something. Uh And, uh, you know, we learned about the Food Lion case, which, you know, that was a grocery store, which uh, investigators and journalists, you know, they worked at for a couple of weeks to see if, you know, what was going on because they were suspect that they were selling bad food and, you know, expired food and et cetera. And they were. And, uh, you know, it went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said that the you know, the invasion of privacy that the business had, you know, it was war, it was justified by the journalists because they were doing that public service. Mm-hmm. Julian Assange exposing that the U.S. government commits war crimes and that the Tunisian government is lying to its people and him exposing that is on its face a 100% noble, positive thing. Absolutely. Anyone yeah. arguing that he's wrong for exposing this or that he just didn't go about it the right way it's just cheap liberal shit that I'm sick of hearing, or it's just like that pan-American conservative just nonsense that Trump's spewing that. Yeah. That like, oh, well, he's anti-American. He's not playing for the right team. Mm-hmm. Fuck the right team. 150,000 Iraqis dead, civilians. There were things in the report saying that um, soldiers would shoot pregnant women for getting too close to like checkpoints, military checkpoints, pregnant women, because they suspected that, well, they may not actually be pregnant. They could have you know bombs or something under them. So anyone arguing that this is, you know, uh, fair, justified, I think most people are in agreement that Assange is justified. I think, so here's, I I don't have a strong opinion either way on Julian Assange. I think whistleblowing and and leaking documents that show the U.S. government has been lying to its citizens is a a good effort. Like, that's a good thing to do. And in the terms of journalism, it's it's a noble cause. But the... My reservation with Julian Assange and my reservation with WikiLeaks is that the information that they put out or don't put out can be politically motivated. And that's where I have trouble getting on the Julian Assange bandwagon. Yeah. Because he's clearly, and, and WikiLeaks has clearly leaked documents to benefit one party and not the other. So, and I don't care, like, it doesn't matter to me which party, like, just that bias makes me trust them less. So in 2016, we saw WikiLeaks put out information on the Clintons when they had information on the Republicans and didn't put it out because Julian Assange and WikiLeaks ostensibly had a vested interest in getting Donald Trump and the Republican Party elected. Well, I it's that, but it's also that he thought that a Clinton presidency would have been more detrimental. Yeah. And, I mean, we can debate that because, I mean, it... We, we would never know. We yeah. don't know what, what her presidency would have been like. Um, yeah, I, I understand the criticism of Assange being, you know, very aligned with Trump. But at the same time, I mean, sure, he has that kind of maybe uh, inclination against that, that you know, formulated globalist liberal you know, idea. Mm-hmm. But he manifests it in doing things which I think, I mean, that there's a reason why both people on the left and right can make exceptions for people like Chelsea Manning and Julian Assange. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because the ends justify the means. It's because, I mean, people are always talking about, you know, these types of issues shouldn't be political, like healthcare shouldn't be political, X, Y, and Z. Everything is political, but uh, exposing these details should not be political. Yeah. And in my opinion, the information that does get leaked, I think, doesn't really point to any kind of, like, political... Um, bias towards the Republican Party because most of what it's not, I mean, all the information you leaked about the Iraq war is very anti-Bush. Anti-Bush, yeah. So I think it was more so that Assange fits into that almost like Nick Landian camp where he's so opposed to the, you know, global, um, you know, that that global neoliberal um, control of the, of the world, which, you know, we're kind of in, that Trump is, obvi- anything is better. So I, I, I understand that criticism, but at the same time, I'm not like an Assange like fanboy, fanboy. But when I saw that he was arrested, I mean that sucks. 
Like, yeah. I, I can't, I can't lie. It sucks. And it sucks for anybody. Cause it's like, what, what could be the next step? And if, and if Trump is willing to let, you know, Khashoggi die, but arrest Assange, that, that we live in a really shitty world. Yeah, the moral compass is kind of screwy. It's, well, let's talk about another sad topic. Actually, there. So when I heard that the note, the Notre Dame was was burning down, and we can, this will get political. I, yeah. I think when when I heard that the Notre Dame was burning down, I was extremely sad. Like I I was surprised at how how sad and devastated I was, and watching the the spire collapse. Um, we now know that. Um, almost all of the art pieces inside were taken out beforehand when the fire had first started. So the statues on the roof were removed due to maintenance. Um, two out of the three stained glass window sets are are intact. One of them broke. Um, but for the most part, it looks like it's going to be not easy to to redo, but possible. And then the damage is not as bad as a lot of people initially suspected. Because it looked like from the video, like the whole thing was was up and gone that, that's what i thought was gonna happen mm-hmm. that was gonna you know when i saw the videos at first i you know i thought it was arson i thought it was like terrorism and yeah. i'm not saying it is but it was just like when i saw the footage at first i was just like oh god please don't have that be the case because mm-hmm. that would be like be world shitty. war three that would be yeah. world war three and you know inducing but i'm seeing a lot of confusing takes on the internet and when i saw it burning yeah it it, it affected me i mean it it made me feel kind of weird because mm-hmm. when you grow up like, like the statue of Liberty, that's kind of like an ingrained image that like for you to imagine that falling or, you know, blowing up, it's almost a little bit like it's part of our identity as America. Exactly. It's part of your realism. Same thing where if, you know, the white house blew up tomorrow, I mean, that would be something where it's like, if you, especially if you lived in D.C., mm-hmm. and if you saw that every day and then just to see it gone. That changes your status quo. And it changes, like, a lot of psychological, like, implications because I've talked a lot about, you know, on, you know, that the southern border that, you know, the, you know, the indigenous people have to pass through in Texas, how that has longstanding, like, psychological effects on the people there. And I'm seeing a lot of these really, like, okay, I love The Office, right? <laughs> I love, I love, both the U.S. and the British office. But fuck, I hate Ricky Gervais. I do too. And I hate how he is like this like branded atheist. Because yeah. then like every like slightly anti-religious person on like the internet see something like this and they just share like really cringy like in bad faith memes. You know, yeah, no, no pun intended. Definitely. But um, and then I see a lot of people being like, Oh man, no one cared when like I, I see a lot of that shit going on, and that stuff is so irritating. It's like if you feel propelled to give like one of these takes, can you not think of anything original? Can you not think of like an original thought that came to your head about this? Because I mean, what what did you think? So I, I saw it, and and my first worry was, oh god, I hope this isn't a terrorist attack. I hope I hope this isn't targeted. Um, and then my second reaction once I found out that it was maintenance was like. Please, God, let there be as little damage as possible. Um, and then I went on the Donald on Reddit, naturally, to see what, what they thought about it. And it was horrifying to see the people who were who were strawmanning. Like, people would see one random Twitter bot account, probably, like, doing clapping emojis or, like, like being glad like, that yes, it... Like, yes, the church is burned. Yeah, like, finally yeah. it's burning... And and those accounts are probably not real. And if they are real, they're probably sarcastic. Or there's one random guy in the middle of nowhere. I saw plenty of people on my Facebook being like, oh, yeah, the church is burned and sharing like Wizard of Oz memes and just dumb shit like that. It's the so Internet. The meme thing is different than people saying, I'm genuinely happy that this is burning. I down. saw that, too. OK, but yeah. my, my issue was the the Donald was like all of every Muslim in America oh, is yeah. celebrating right now. And that broke my heart. And I, I wasn't surprised, but it, it really made me, it made me sad. And it made me kind of feel bad for people who are, who get those things pushed on them. Um, and then I was, I was, when I learned that billionaires were just throwing money at it to get it fixed, I was at first glad. And then it's like, and then I was like, they just had like, Two hundred million dollars lying around. But. Yeah, well, that that that's the thing that really kind of like irks me about this whole thing because it's like when it happened, and I had that thought about like you know the Statue of Liberty and it's like part of your identity. It's part of French identity. It's part of European Western identity. I mean, mm-hmm. like it is such an ingrained 
part of that history. I mean, it's stood for what, 850 years. Yeah. Know? And seen, it's older than our country by a lot. Yeah. So um, it, it's like, you know, comparing that to like the Eiffel Tower, if those things, you know, got destroyed, it's part of that ingrained thing. But the, the reason why you see all these billionaires and people like coming and, and why they view this as such like a, a catastrophic thing and like they need to put their money in is because that to me shows the realism and like the insistence on the importance of maintaining a dominant Western culture and dominant Western appearance and identity throughout the globe. Because mm -hmm. when I saw that burning, I start, you know, my first mind, I, it's 2019. I'm thinking it's terrorism. And in my mind, it's like, what if this is like the end of Europe? What if this is kind of like a symbolic turn to say the monuments of the last thousand years that held that importance for so long, they could be changing. Soon. Yeah, Western culture is sliding out of its its limelight. Or, that it's yeah, had. yeah, maybe maybe it's finally going to historically slide to a different, you know, cast. I mm -hmm. mean, I mean, which would be, uh, <laughs> I yeah, we can't even imagine that. Yeah, you know, we can't imagine that. But such a, a large paradigm shift that our reality for so long has been like European and American culture has been predominantly the the most impactful culture worldwide. Like foreign yeah. countries look at our culture and adopt it and, and modify our own. And, and we are certainly like the West has dominated the cultural sphere in for ever since we can remember. Pro I, I'd say probably since like Napoleon, I, yeah. I think that's like the historical trend of when it really caught on. Yeah. When like kind when of when we really democracy. kind of like mass, mass developed, like, yeah. Uh, when, when liberalism and nationalism really, yeah. yeah. Things like that. Uh, so if the, if this is one of the times, like if it just, so happened like this is definitely a part of history like when the notre dame almost burnt down yeah like if that's marked as and it's totally possible that this is kind of marked as one of the things that is tied into this time of the west sliding out of this limelight i don't know how to feel about that i don't know i, f I feel like in our our lifetime it, only so much can change um but one, one of the things that you touched on that kind of worked me is like Oh, everybody cares about this, but nobody cared about when this building burnt down. It's like I had never heard of whatever building right. those people were talking about. Like, is there a single building on earth that has more historical um and cultural significance than Notre Dame? I can't name one. I mean, maybe the Great Wall of China. Maybe yeah. maybe, you know, uh some something in like East Asia. Uh, yeah, I, the one that came one of them that came to mind was like Stonehenge, but like oh, yeah, yeah. how can you you could fix Stonehenge, you just put the rocks back. <laughs> yeah, just um, tilt yeah, just tilt them back up. Yeah, just prop them against each other. Um but yeah, that that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um and like I, I understand the complaint because I mean, trust me, it's irritating seeing like droves of rich billionaires come together and fix this problem. When, I mean, there's starving people in America, there's starving people all over the planet. And it's like problems could like, we don't have a scarcity problem. We don't have these problems yeah. where it's like not enough to fix the problem. It's, you know, which problems you hold into importance to fix and maintain and which ones you don't. Mm -hmm. And it sucks that the Notre Dame is, you know, held in greater importance than, you know, the, the third world but i mean it's not surprising and it's not surprising because we had to exploit the third world to build it in the first place so pretty much yeah um new topic yeah let's go. uh do you want to talk about bernie's tax returns oh yeah let's talk about this I don't, this I, evil I don't marxist that that's a millionaire like, yeah oh my god this uh, is so the biggest fake story for those of you who don't know bernie sanders put out 10 years of his tax returns um in 2018 bernie sanders and his wife grossed around five hundred and sixty thousand dollars um they paid um their federal taxes came to one hundred and forty five thousand so that's a lot of money um so bernie sanders is wealthy i don't think this is a big surprise he nope. has popular books he's been a one of the most he's one of the most popular politicians ever he's ran for president he's ran he's for pretty president. successful yeah so. He, according to the New York Times, is the third richest Democrat um, running for president, which I would not have guessed. Um, according to last year's income, Kamala Harris made almost two million. Elizabeth Warren made eight hundred and forty-six thousand. Bernie Sanders, like I said, five hundred sixty-one thousand. Beto at three hundred and seventy-five thousand. Amy Klobuchar at three hundred thirty-eight thousand. And 
Kirsten Gillibrand at two hundred thousand dollars. Wow, which is not as much as I thought Gillibrand would have made. Hmm. Um, the, I thought the New York Dem would have. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that Bernie makes all that money. I know. I mean, he has definitely a much like higher brand marketability than other people. I mean, think about how much money he probably makes just from like licensing his uh, appearance to other. You know, like, yeah, like the feel the burn shirts that you can find everywhere. They probably have to pay yeah. something to use his likeliness if it, if it's not through like his direct campaign. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, one of, one of the biggest things that stood out to me was of the five hundred and sixty thousand dollars he made in 2018, three hundred and ninety three thousand was from book sales. So the vast majority of his income is coming from books, which he's he's using his platform to promote. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And the the. Th- the thing that I think is really funny is people being like, well, Bernie's, you know, he's talking about millionaires and billionaires and he's criticizing them. And he's criticizing the 1%, but he's a millionaire. Right. But I mean, he criticizes the 1% for using their influence to shape political life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could argue that Bernie does. I mean, he technically does do that. He's a politician. Yeah. Let's also not forget that Bernie is a Democrat. He's a social Democrat. He's not anti-wealth. He's not anti-money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish he was, but <laughs> he's not. So this is just a really weak straw man. I mean, I saw Pete. What? How do you pronounce this guy's name? Butgig? Yeah. The, the, That's the, how I said the, it. The, the, that guy. Um, he's like running some ad about Bernie being angry, the angry uh, candidate. Did you see this? No, I don't watch TV. Yeah, I don't blame you because uh, I called it. They're, they're going to roll it out. They're going to say he's a hypocrite, that he's got, you know, tons of money. They're going to say he's angry. They're going to say he's, you know. He's too old. They're they're going to do anything that they can to 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 discredit him. And this whole thing, like, is it any shocker that he makes money? Any shocker at all? No. He he makes money because he says people, he says things people want to hear, and people want to read his books. And when um, was the last time we like in America would discredit someone from running for political office because of how much money they had? Like, this is such. This is just trying to not give Bernie the nomination. Yeah, it, this it's is all it is. It's kind of a lame excuse. Um. Pete Buttigieg has kind of been blowing up in the media uh, lately. He's been on a ton of tours. He's been targeted by – he targeted Mike Pence, and then Mike Pence tried to hit back. Um, Pete Buttigieg is, is like, going like, to say his name. I don't know how to say his name. Um, just, I think, not being – having Pete a B. bad last name. Yeah, Pete B. That's what Pete we'll call B. him. Having a bad last name um, might just disqualify you from president anyway. He's doing pretty well. He is doing shockingly well. He's just a mayor. Um right from Iowa or something like that. And he pivots to, you know, labor and stuff, but I've never heard this guy say anything like memorable. I've never heard him say really anything. Like I have no idea why he's polling well at all. Yeah. I think it's just the age. I think it's the age and he's a gay man. Oh my God. I always forget he's gay too. That's yeah. right. He is gay. How could you forget? That's like the one thing that I always hear. I never hear that about <laughs> it. Really? And it's funny. Cause like whenever I look at him and then people tell me he's gay, he's like, Oh yeah, I could, now yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the reasons why people are because, right? So, if you're one of the SJW-esque Democrats, you're picking a nominee. You don't want to pick a straight white dude, and uh, a white dude who's gay fits your bill just fine. Like this, this guy looks, he looks like he could be. He looks like. Uh, every president he looks like a lego man he does he's, he's a lego man he looks like lego you, hair if you piece together what uh if you took an aggregate of everybody who's ever ran for president it looks <laughs> minus like, obama minus obama yeah there's a little tan <laughs> pete, pete b is is probably what you get um pete b's got the teeth he's got obama teeth he has really great obama teeth. Had nice teeth yeah um also i think he he's Pretty religious. Yeah, he's Episcopal, I, I believe. Episcopalian? Yeah, Episcopalian, is which yeah. is like kind of, they're a bit more Have you ever been to an Episcopalian friendly. church? No, but they are a bit more of a more gay-friendly um, denomination. They're more of the more like progressive denominations. I had Episcopalian friends, and I went to Episcopalian church on Thanksgiving once. And yeah. I think they were like weird Episcopalians because they didn't celebrate Halloween. You couldn't wear anything with skulls on it. And they are, they, are, they struck me as... Very conservative, so I don't know. Maybe my Episcopalian church was the one that I went to was a was a standout one. But I, I have no idea. Pete B, um, good luck, man. No, not good luck. You don't not good luck. I think I don't think he's. I think Pete B could have a a decent chance. Him against Trump, he'll get he'll get destroyed. Yeah, he's a pretty vanilla guy. Who was um, he he 
he doesn't leave you wanting more, I don't think. Donald nope. Trump, like, at least Donald Trump is interesting to listen to. Pete B is the stepdad and liar liar that Jim Carrey hates that his wife is with now. Yeah. And Trump is like... He's, I don't know, he's, 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 he's like Dane Cook in 2005. Oh, God. He's just like, I don't care. I'm blowing everything up. You know. What was that movie with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg where Will Ferrell was? Oh, the, the other guys. No, 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 not that one. It, a bad one. Where a Daddy's Home? Daddy's Home, yeah. Mark, oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Pete Buttigieg. Donald Trump is the Mark Wahlberg, and Pete Buttigieg is... Uh, the uh, Will Ferrell. So any Daddy's Home fans who get that joke, I'm sure they're 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 ecstatic <laughs> right now. Dude, that movie's that garbage. Out. Will Ferrell's garbage, straight up. Will Ferrell has some good roles. I think um, like pre 2005. I sure. think Anchorman's good. I like both the Anchormans. I, I can't watch that shit anymore. Can't. I Talladega can't Nights. It. I enjoy. Oh, I can't do that. Really? Can't do it. Those are those Michael McKay. Is that Michael McKay? He's the director of that. He did um same guy who does those does like Vice. Did Vice and like Moneyball and The Big Short? No, uh, the guy who did Moneyball is Bennett Miller. Okay, so every movie but Moneyball is yeah, Adam McKay. You, you may be right. They're very similar movies, which is why I confuse them. Okay, that's enough Bernie's tax returns. <laughs> um, I didn't read up on the Queen, as we said we we're gonna do right, a week and a half ago. We'll skip the Queen. Um, do you want to get into political predictions for the future? How long have we been going? Twenty minutes? Only twenty-seven. Okay, we're good. Um, yeah, let's do let's do predictions. Okay, so. We can we can start. Let's start distant future. How about that? So when ten years from now is that twenty twenty nine? What do yeah. you think? What do you what do you think the country's gonna look like ten years from now? So that's two or three elections. All right. So all right. Social media influencers are going to run for public office and win and probably win. Unemployment will probably rise. Automation will be. Uh, I think job automation will be worse in 10 years by far. I think it'll like, I can't imagine what technology it will be like even, even 10 years. Yeah. You know? Looking, looking 10 years ago, 2009, like, but I, I think, I think one thing I can safely predict is that culturally we're not going to be that far from where we're at right now. I think we're going to be pretty because, much the same. Yeah. Because there's, there's a great YouTube channel. I think I've talked about them before cuck philosophy on YouTube Yep, and they have a great, great video about, uh, Derrida and about this thing called hauntology that Derrida talked about. He was a postmodern and a, um, a deconstructionist philosopher, uh, French guy, super popular. And he had this idea that like, you know, human beings in your present condition, you're, you're, you can't really fathom the present. You're constantly always haunted by the present escaping you and the, and the future coming towards you every second. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly in the state of like hauntology. And he said that how that kind of transferred into culture is that, you're not able or you get to a point in like late capitalism where you're not able to develop new ideas or new aesthetics or new cultural direction. So you can only kind of exist in that ontological constant. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's why since the eighties, I mean, or you could probably even argue the seventies, American culture has kind of been in this like standstill where technology increases, but mm -hmm. culturally we stay obsessed with the same things. It's and been we, more of a cycle, right? Yeah. We have and, these cycles every so few years and and they they made a really good point in the video about how i mean even nowadays in 2019 we still have an obsession with trying to replicate vintage images through just high definition we have an obsession with the past i mean stranger things being with in the 80s yeah yeah all of that and how that just gets fueled into continuously keeping you in like a cultural uh constant that doesn't develop and that they can just continually market to and brand to and sell to. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's only going to get increasingly stronger with how social media just continues to develop and how the social market continues to just uh, kind of interfere into the personal life because you can't really escape the market anymore. One of the, I was watching a YouTube video. I don't remember what it was, but they made the point that in the 80s, we had these predictions of what our lives would look like, and they were really optimistic, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we had this this great view of a technological future, flying cars by 2000, they said in the 80s, but we missed it. Like we missed those goals. Instead of limitless energy, which would have given, given us those things, we have limitless information. And so we, what we do is we keep recycling those things and we keep looking back and, and reinventing them mm -hmm. and, and tainting those looks back, that nostalgia with our own current outlook. 
So I think we're going to keep, we keep recycling those things and we're going to keep changing them. And I think we're kind of, American culture is kind of stalling out at this point. Like, yeah, yeah. That's why we have all these reboots and why we have so many video game remakes and movie remakes and why there's, it's it's very rare. And, and when it does happen, it's huge where there's something that we've never seen before, where there's a new IP. So I'm a little pessimistic looking forward in that sense, but I like I like the stuff that we get now. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I enjoy yeah. our... I, I think if if Americans weren't satisfied and if citizens of the world weren't satisfied with our entertainment right now, we would do something about it. We would stop paying for it. But right now we're very happily consuming the media that, we're, that we get. Me and my uh, fiancé were talking the other day about this. We were talking about how um, we remember MySpace, right? I don't. You don't? Oh, yeah, no. I guess you're a little bit younger than I am. Well, I remember MySpace. And I remember when social media was still in like that, my uh, that, like that MSN, uh, AIM, uh, AOL Messenger type mm-hmm. realm, where it seemed like social media and the internet, you you could still make a living off of the internet and everything, but it seemed like the point of social media specifically was much more like interpersonal. Mm-hmm. It was much more kind of like a um, a non for profit like venture. It's like you go onto the internet, you post things online, or you communicate with people purely for that, mm-hmm. you know, just to, like, share information with people. The sake of experiencing things that other people want you to experience. And another thing that was great about the Internet for about the Internet at that time was it was a it was a way to escape uh, being able to be, like, bombarded constantly by, you know, your everyday experiences, the normal world, and, you know, being marketed to constantly. And over time, the Internet changed, obviously, because now social media is, you know, and when YouTube got bought by Google, Facebook, all these things... Um, now these are essentially nothing but just hubs for marketing. Mm-hmm. They are just constantly bombarding you with trying to buy this, click this, support this, subscribe to this. And it's gotten to the point where now, you know, with, when you're an employee, you go to work somewhere, you're expected to add all of your, all of your coworkers to social I media. Them. I, hate it, so I, I hate it so much. You're, you're inclined to have every facet of your life connected into the social web, you know? Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that there's no escape from the market. There is no place where you can seek refuge except from just throwing your phone away and just like consciously removing yourself from images. Yeah. And I think that I'm pessimistic like you. I think that's only going to get worse and worse and worse. And I think that that's the reason why you see, I don't think that the problem is violent media. I don't think that it's, you know, the, you know, the, the video games or that, you know, Reddit exists or any of these things. I don't think it's the, the means of the technology. I think that it's the the stagnation of culture it's that stagnation of of progress that leads people to i mean we saw that girl just today um that flew from florida to 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 denver that she was obsessed with the columbine shooters you know mm-hmm. she flew all the way to denver with a and she bought a gun and then she killed herself you know i think that you're seeing this stall in American culture that's having a really negative effect on the psyche of people because if you don't fit youth into in particular, yeah, because if you do not fit into that social web, which you have to be clicked into and plugged into constantly, all the time, all the time. But if you're a person who is plugged into that all the time and you don't fit in, or you maybe don't really know how to maneuver it well, you're not very good with your words on it. You're not very good with sharing memes, content. Or if you're not an enthusiastic participant in this kind of like overarching uh, social liberalism or the engagement to just accrue more social capital through moralizing uh, kind of generic democratic platitudes and platforms. Uh, If you're not a part of that social ecosystem online, you get otherized, you get ostracized. And I'm not saying that necessarily people who hold views that are like antithetical to liberalism i'm not trying to necessarily defend these people i mean i fall into that camp too however but the point is that when you have a society that is structured in a way that there is a kind of like political narrative that is mainstreamed that is normalized that is seen as this is the american identity that you want to uphold and when that is kind of broadcast to you constantly through marketized images it doesn't surprise me that the right wing reactionary you know movement is growing how it is uh i feel like liberalism's failures have built that movement in 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 a lot of respects i mean it obviously historically manifests through certain places online and of course that is fueled through you know anti-semitism through uh xenophobia racism nationalism whatever you want to call it 
But I feel like the big problem now is that we're attributing the societal problems from these people, from a growing reactionary right solely uh, as the burden of their own individual choices, whereas I'm saying it's an unfortunate truth that they also too are a product of their environment and that, in my opinion, their existence is a negative byproduct of a mainstream liberal media culture that we live in in America, a culture that has wide-ranging implications and effects on basically every other country on the planet. If you're not engaged with it in the way that you're supposed to be with this technology, which, bear in mind, again, this is just technology. This is not something that should be a part of your life that it's like you can't live without. Five-year-olds should not have smartphones. You know what I mean? This is just a tool. It's an extension. We lived without them. That stagnation, I think, is causing just a horrible psyche in people to where, I mean, you you go online, you go on Reddit, you're on Reddit all the time, right? Reddit's uh, the only social media I use right now. People are on there all the time talking about, you know, how they how they think that their friends aren't really depressed because they just see these images of depression projected onto them all the time. And that's why people are freaking out. That's why people shoot up schools. That's why people go on these, That that's why people seek out, you know, far-right terrorism and 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 they seek out these like really far-reaching radical politics because liberalism and capitalism and American economics has failed them. It's failed the new generation by saying, we're going to give you the market in every facet of your life and it's going to make it great for everybody. And we're, it's not. We're sh- it's, it's being blown up in our faces that it is working adamantly against us. Mm-hmm. And we can think that we can just continue to regulate the problem, but the, the problem is it, it itself. The problem is... The volume of everything. The problem is that this has such a wide hold over the culture, and not just our culture, but all cultures. American culture affects every other culture mm-hmm. in America. It, by, it's by, the trickle down. Yeah, I mean, for better, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, good. The good Reaganomics of there. culture. I, you're not. You're not lying. I do have hope because I think I've seen this in myself, and I've seen this in, like, I've I've adopted this minimalism thing, right? Where I'm trying to live a life with less and part of that is consuming less internet consuming less media and just not taking in as much information and there's a lot of people like me and there's a lot of people I talk to who say that sounds really good I want to do that and not everybody does it some people do try it and it works for them and I think the number of people who see value in that and see value in being present and and being in the actual like physical space they're in and not sucked into their phone. I think that's a growing thing. And I think there are people in our government who have realized that social media is getting too much of our information and we're giving too much information to social media. And so I have hope that in the next 10 years, the next 50 years, I hope we're at the top of the bell curve. I hope we're at least approaching the top of the bell curve or we're somewhere, we're somewhere around that spot and slowly we're going to, humanity as a whole is going to kind of wean themselves off of it. That's that's my hope, and that's the bright side. Because these are things that we're not designed to work with, right? Humans spent thousands of years evolving to their environment, and we are adapted to survive in the environment we're in. And then we invented these things. Like, if you give a teenage girl a cell phone, and all of her friends are on there, and everybody at high school is on there, like... It's hard enough to be a teenager. It's so much harder to be a teenager when school doesn't leave. Mm-hmm. You don't get away from from that social structure. Home is no longer a place of relief. Home is a, a continuation of that. And that's really tragic. And that's something that kids especially don't have the ability to deal with. Yeah, and I think you're, I totally agree with, agree with you. I think that is going to have longstanding psychological and uh, cultural generational problems that we are we we have no idea of even like understanding what that's going to manifest in later Mm -hmm. like people didn't shoot up schools like they do now people no no. people weren't depressed like the number of youth who suffer from depression and suicidal thoughts is crazy high and i can't help but put some of the blame on the internet and just all of the stuff that's being thrown at us all the time. I think it's really unhealthy for human beings. And here's a here's a really good example of how that unhealthily manifests. You know the gun girl? Mm-hmm. That uh, she's like the girl with the long My blonde hair. My roommate loves her. 
ugh. But you know who I'm talking yes, about, right? I know okay. exactly what you're talking she about. showed up to like a Bernie Sanders um, speech or rally like a couple days ago, and she was asked to leave, and she threw a big fit about it. Of course but, she did. Uh, the reason why I bring her up is because this is a negative consequence of social media and a very negative consequence of how we can commodify these new identities through social media because – Think about it. Her whole shtick, the way that she makes her money, the way that she has her uh, social media influencer career mm-hmm. is through commodifying the triggering libs thing. Yeah. The whole idea of just triggering liberals is a moneymaker. That is an entire market and essentially like and it's really easy. industry and it's very indi- it's very easy. All you have to do is go to a place where there was gun violence with a gun, be a a, a like generically attractive young female or young guy, like, you know, Steven Crowder or something, mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, murky up the waters, just push people's buttons and just irritate people, put it online, and then make your money. And social media has commodified that, you know, I mean, it's not just social media, it's obviously capitalism, but they're symbiotic in this in this conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, it's commodified that, and that has made that now an argued legitimate, like, profession and a, a new like a, a new legitimate a way provocateur yes yes like, 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 like social media influencer you know a, a social media provocateur no these people are just absolute cretins who are doing the bare minimum to make a quick buck and just culturally disintegrate the the soul of very a very uh um uh insecure and uh, uh vulnerable people I think the the people who respond to that and the people are in, to enjoy it are people who, like boomers, right? Like that kind of shtick, are the people who don't... I think it's a lot of people who got rejected by the social structure we talked about earlier, right? So they grew up in high school and they you were... Mean, nev- you mean like, like the new one? Or- I, oh, okay, okay I, so I know what you're saying. This, the emergence of this provocateur, I think this is stemming from... And the people who pay attention to these people are people who didn't grow up with the internet, so they don't, they're not tapped into it, or it's people who got pushed out of it, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're in high school and you only have 10 followers on Twitter and nobody likes your tweets... Because you're like a typical high school Republican who just tries to trigger everybody, you know? Then, yeah, you're going to go watch Gun Girl, and you're going to get radicalized, and you're going to go further right or maybe all right i i wouldn't say you'll get radicalized through gun girl i i'm not gonna go that far it's a it's a dipping your toe in the water right i'll say that will um give you confirmation bias Mm -hmm. that will say everything you want to hear it's like when the tpusa people came here the guy came here and just spoke to a room of insecure college republicans who are mad that they are on a campus where they're ideologically outnumbered in their opinion and they just want to kind of talk about how it sucks for an hour and how, man, I wish uh, the liberals uh, didn't have so much control here. Stop getting slam dunked all day on Twitter. Which, I mean, like if, if, if I could talk about a, a first world problem, a, a, a bougie problem, that is that is bougie. That yeah. is a bougie problem. I, I don't know. I find myself more and more wanting to grab people by the shoulders and shake them. Be like, just turn it off. Just get off the internet. Or like when people are like, oh, all of these people are complaining about this. Like around Christmas time, it was all these people are complaining that Santa Claus is a man and Santa Claus, they think. I know, this, is, this invented bullshit. Yeah, yeah, right? So it's it's these invented things that I'm 100% sure are just 4chan going crazy. And it's right. people who are totally internet illiterate. And I want to. I want to grab you and be like, did you hear, did you literally hear a person in real life tell you that? Because if you didn't, stop it. Right. Stop yeah. Stop portraying that person that doesn't exist, that boogeyman. Yeah, like uh, me, me and me and my fiance, we were at uh, her family's for Christmas and her family kept bringing up, oh, we heard this thing on the news about these kids were upset about these Christmas songs because, oh, they're, they're not gender neutral. I'm like, this was probably like it's a troll, a troll like like it's the same thing on Twitter. When remember when you would see those like those things getting tweeted out that were like LGBTP yeah. people saying like, oh, yeah, they're trying to add pedophiles to the LGBT community. That's not that came from 4chan. That yeah, was a yeah, thing yeah. that was just made to make gay people look bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, but, I think the yeah. news media is horrible 
in how they handle those things and where they say, well, here's a guy on Facebook who's complaining about it. It's like, that's not, yeah. stop it. That's yeah. not, stop doing those things. Like nobody cares. Yeah. I think, I think the media is like, I think that's another thing that I get worried about a lot is I feel like media coverage or maybe the lack of good media coverage also kind of adds to this like growing insurgency on the right and this like radicalism on the right because you know they have this idea that you know the mainstream media is owned by this kind of like globalist you know soros type thing Mm -hmm. and then when you actually watch the news which i i try to watch the daily news like every day just to keep tabs on it i don't remember the last time i did and i i don't like doing it because like oh man i want to learn what's going on i like doing it more so to see what is like the what what is coming from like the horse's mouth what is coming out through mainstream news what is the narrative being said just like i like knowing what's being brought forward mm-hmm. okay if i put myself in the shoes of a young uh somewhat kind of radicalizing guy who's like drifting to the right you know if i put myself in that frame of mind and i'm watching the news and the news focuses on topics which are going to feed into that. So let's say I've, I, I've done this before. I've logged on, I've turned on the news and they're talking about, you know, they'll, they'll make the points about um, like the, the New Zealand shooter and they'll make, they'll have like a 10 minute segment just talking about how, you know, uh, just talking specifically about like cis gender white guy terrorism. And I'm not saying that we can't talk about, you know, terrorism or you can't talk about how like a lot of white guys that are radicalizing on the far right are committing these acts of terrorism but what i would love to go in and to shake a media person about and say look i understand that you're going to get a lot of like brownie points from your liberal friends for pointing out that a cisgender white guy did this but what you're doing when you say those terms in this way is you're projecting to every single person that that shooter was fighting for vilifying trying to is you're telling them yeah he he was right we are we are part of this we are part of a global thing that is kind of trying to culturally remove white cisgender men from a certain podium and it's so funny because that's what these people think and when they when the media doesn't take it seriously enough to understand it's like okay Maybe we could change how we report. Maybe we could change how we address things. Maybe we could change not walking on eggshells to appease people, knowing what feeds into their bullshit. You're giving them ammunition. You know what I mean? We need yeah. to really consciously move away from that. And I feel like that's a huge failure of, of, of liberalism right now. It's like the Trump years just failing to analyze what's going on. Nobody knows what to do. I think that's a, that sums up the media really well right now. I had, I had a journalism professor who said basically every decision that the media has made in the past 30 years has been the wrong one. And they're right. Like that's, that's my, my takeaway from, from the Trump years is that the media is really bad at figuring out when it's doing something really wrong. And this is, this is what I think a lot of people are going to have to take away from the Trump years. However much you may not want to admit it, the guy might have a point about the media. However much you may not want to admit it, yeah. there may be an actual problem with how our news media is structured. Maybe, and this isn't even controversial, yeah, most newspapers have a liberal bias. Most newspapers are you know, ideologically center-left, something like that. Mm. Maybe it's not controversial to say, yeah, that's a problem. And it's not a problem because you know we need to be fair and balanced. We need to be right down the middle. Maybe it's because having the American uh, media machine be biased towards a center-left thing has these cultural effects that we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Maybe having a moralist liberal media isn't going to fend well when you have a growing, uh, radicalizing, young right wing growing. Because in ten years, we could move beyond fascism. I mean, we could move towards a new ultranationalism. Yeah, I truly don't know. I mean, accelerationism could already be taken off. There's people that say that we're already in the early stages of it. What is accelerationism? Accelerationism is the idea that you should let capitalism develop to the point that super artificial intelligence would be able to develop so quickly that we wouldn't be able to stop capitalism from eventually developing to like total collapse, which Mm -hmm. it's not an idea I put a lot of credence in because I don't see that happening. But I think that we're already to a point where technology is advancing to a point where we can't really stop its continual development. Yeah, I, I, I think I would. 
I would get on board with that. And I, I think that it's a pretty negative thing because there's no one there's no one to hit the stop on this because the people that benefit from it are the richest the people ones in the world in yeah. power. To go back to the media for a second, and their center left lower bias. It's a problem that it exists, and it's a bigger problem that nobody in the media will accept that it exists. Right. Not a not a single person will say, yeah, you're right. Like, everybody in the newsroom is a Democrat, and we all... Like, if you look at the amount of money that journalists give to Democrats versus Republicans, it's insane how much more journalists donate to Democrats. And it's, and it's because in America, you're fed a political binary, and it's the Republicans are really bad, the Democrats aren't as bad. Those are your two choices. There's that, and then there's this cycle, right? So journalists donate to Democrats, and then Republicans say, journalists suck because they're donating to the Democrats. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Mm. And then journalists go, oh, the Republicans hate us. Why would we give money to them? So that, that's that cycle that I see. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I've been reading a lot. Um, I need to read more. Yeah, uh, I've, I've been reading a lot. You know, since this podcast is is coming to an end, you know, I think I'm going to start my own, like out of my house. Yeah. Uh, try to talk to like some independent content creators out there about like similar ideas that we've talked about because I I enjoy talking about this stuff. Me as well. I really want this to kind of be a constant thing in my life that I can devote time to and oh read read uh Marcusa book chin and some uh Adorno I guess that those would be my three leaving off recommendations okay. go read and uh don't be a democrat those are my two big things <laughs> okay um I don't think I have any my my leaving thing um dear listener that I've learned in my three years here the most important thing that I've done is to just step back from the internet and to consume less information and spend more time like listening to music without lyrics or like just putting on like if you're going to listen to something make it relaxing or like if you're going to watch something make it educational if you're going to read something make it something that improves yourself like if you're going to consume media make it media that improves your well-being and i think that's that's my leaving thing. And I think that if everybody did a little bit more of that, our country would be a little bit of a better place to live in. Thank you guys for listening. Bye.